0: Welcome to Centre Church. We hope you enjoyed this message, recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. It's a great privilege to be able to share with you uh, once again this morning. And this morning, I was just we- when I was weighing up what to share, not only what I'm bringing, do I think it's something very, for me, personally, but as I was weighing it up and pressing into this, I was like, it's not just for me, it's for Center Church. It's not just for Center Church, it's everybody, every single person that makes up the church, because church is not a building, we are the church. Even if you're a guest here today, you're here, this word is for you. It's for myself, Hannah, our staff, our oversight, our trustees, it's for us all. And so this morning, I've entitled this message the art of endurance the art of endurance now i'm going to say a lot of questions you don't have to answer they're rhetorical so you can just ponder them but i'm going to ask a lot of questions as we go through this this morning and the question is what does it mean to endure what does it mean to endure now In the uh, Western church, we hear more about, I believe, we hear more about prosperity, more about God's goodness, love, acceptance. We hear more about how good the Christian walk is, how amazing it is. But maybe we forget that how difficult it can be also. What happens when the going gets tough? What do we do when the going gets tough? Now, I put a definition up on what endurance is. The ability to withstand an unpleasant or difficult process or situation without giving way is the capacity of something or someone to last or to withstand wear and tear. I'm sure uh, you've all heard it before, the older older you get, the more wear and tear you seem to be accumulating in your body. As soon as I, I went over the threshold of turning into my 30s, I was like, "Oh. I feel <laughs> Not just me then. That's good. Now when we think about endurance, most of us will often think about a race or some sporting event, an endurance race. Yes?, yeah, you hear about endurance races, sporting events that take place over a long distance or otherwise demands great physical stamina. I'm a sporty person, if you didn't realize that. I like to do some my sporting endeavors. Played football, tennis. I do some running as well. And uh, during lockdown, oh, lockdown. Remember those days? There was no roads on the cars. That means I could run on the main road to my heart's content and knew I wasn't going to be hit over. (laughs) And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to run. And I'm just going to consistently just try and keep my fitness up. It started with five kilometers, and then I slowly built it up to 10 kilometers. And I was like, during this time, it was like the very first time I went out, I came back, sweat all over me. I was thinking, I don't want to do that ever again. But then, I was, next, next, then two days later, my reminder on my, my phone said, Thomas, go for a run. I was like, okay, let's do another 5K. And I built it up and built it up. And it was learning to endure when my body says, I can't do this anymore. So much so that I managed to clock my best five kilometer time of 20 minutes and two seconds. I'm still surprised. I'm never going to be near that again. I'll tell you what. <laughs> that was a few years ago. But then I thought, let's try and clock my best 10K time. I remember doing a figure of eight around Burgess Hill and I got to 10K and my watch rang and said, you reached 10K. I thought, I'm stopping. I'm done. And then I looked at the clock and I thought, I cannot believe the time. 41 minutes and 30 seconds to run 10K. For me, I was like, that's a victory. That's, but it took time to reach that point to be able to endure. You and I, we are all in a race of faith. If you hold on to God... We're all in a race of faith that's going to require endurance if we're going to reach the finish line, if we're going to get to the end. Now, I'm not here this morning, I'm sorry, to make you feel better. I'm not. I'm not here to tell you it's going to get easier when it could, in fact, get harder. Rather, my job, being on the pulpit, my job is to point you to the Word, so that we can be equipped for the battles we're in now that are ahead, the race of life that requires us to endure. I want to point you to the words of Romans 15, verse 4. And it says this, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of Scriptures, we might have hope we might have hope. See, what we see written in scripture is there for our learning. It's there. It's our training manual that we can learn from so we know how to face our day-to-day, to help us endure when the going gets tough. God wants us to know his word, and by knowing his word, we will have what we need to press on, When you wake up in the morning and thinking, it's another day, one, we can rejoice because it's a new day, but two, we can say, I look to your word, God, because in it, I have all I need to face what is ahead. Amen? So this morning, we're going to be looking at Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 13. Before we get there, let me just give you a little bit of a background up to this point because I know sometimes it's very easy to take passages in isolation. I just want to give you an idea of what, what we're reading in, okay? Now, Hebrews 11, the chapter very much before, was the foundation to a series we shared earlier this year. We were looking at real life, real faith, real God. And this chapter in Hebrews 11, it outlines and describes, reveals, points us to The heroes and heroines of faith, ordering men and women who knew God's will and they walked in it. Their faith overcame obstacles and won great victories. And all that we see written in Hebrews 11, all those heroes and heroines of faith, they were commended by God for their faith. Now Hebrews 12 starts with a, therefore, therefore. And when you're reading scripture, when you have a therefore, you've heard this before. If you've got a therefore, you ask what it's there for. So then, of course, what we understand is Hebrews 12 is pointing back to what was said before. So it's keeping Hebrews 11, that whole chapter before, in view. But it's also pointing ahead. It's pointing ahead forward to the application in our lives of the principles illustrated by the heroes of faith. It's a training mandate for us to run the race ahead with perseverance and endurance. So we're going to read Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 13. It will come up behind me, but if you have your Bibles with you, have them open. Maybe you've got your Bible apps on your phone, just your Bible apps on your phone, might I add? Or maybe you're taking notes. But Hebrews 12, 1 to 13. It says, Therefore, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes all. Everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we have respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. I shall stop there. There's a lot in just those verses. And just to take the whole thing in view, you and I must understand that we are running a better race. We are running a better race. This is not the first time that we see in Scripture the, a race analogy is used. You can see it several times in Scripture. One example is 1, Corinthians 9:24 to27. And in this letter to the Corinthian church, Paul says, "We must run in such a way to get the prize, to go into strict training to obtain a prize of righteousness, a crown that will last forever." And when you look at these passages, I implore you, look at these passages that have a race analogy. When you look at them, the emphasis is not on speed. Hallelujah, I hear some of you saying. (laughs) I may be able to run 5k in 20 in 20 minutes, but some of you saying it doesn't matter, I'm gonna walk here, I'm still gonna get there. The emphasis is not on speed, it's a race of patient endurance that lasts a lifetime. And why is this race a better race? Why is it a better race? i have put four points up why this is a better race. For one, we're running it for the glory, honor, and pleasure of God. We're not running it for ourselves. It's not about us. We benefit from it, but we're resembling him. It's for his glory. It's for honor, for his honor. This world says, build up yourselves. We'll say, no, we're magnifying God in this race of endurance. We also have a better trainer encouragement and help in the race Christ himself God his word is the best best trainer we could ever have we are not on our own because our trainer is there with us the prizes are also better in this world you know what you obtain in this world we cannot take with us they are temporary but in God, there are eternal prizes. They are better prizes. That's why it says, store up for yourself treasures in heaven, not on earth. And then everyone who finishes the course receives a prize. Isn't that good news? It's not reserved for the first, second, and third. Gold, silver, bronze. If that was so, well, we'll weigh down the pecking order. Every single one of us that crosses that line will receive a prize. That is why it's a better race. But as we continue, as we look in this passage, we are spurred on by the heroes of faith who have been before us. They're regarded as a cloud of witnesses. These champions, their stories, their encounters, reveal to us how we can also win. These witnesses are to serve as, ex- as examples and encouragement to our faith. We look to what they walk through and we can be encouraged because, yes, they, they went through hardships. And we may be going through hardships. But if they can do it, we can do it. When we are down and struggling, the encouragement is to look to the word. Look to scripture. Look at those who have gone before you. Look at what they've done. The same God that directed their steps is the same God that directs us our our own. The same God that we see in Scripture walking in their lives, guiding them through, encouraging them to step out is the same God that is asking you, telling you, step out, trust in me, endure the race, I am with you. Do we believe that? These witnesses that we see in Hebrews 11 reveal how we can overcome the obstacles that come our way. We too can do it. These clouds of witnesses, their lives bear witness to their faith in God. They are an example to us, an encouragement for us to endure going forward. They testify that obedience to God is the best thing we can do. When all else fails, we hold on to Him. Why? Because God rewards the faithful. Hold on to him, and he will show you the way. We are running a better race because we have the benefit of learning from those who have gone before us. We see it in Scripture, but we also know that those in this world, in this life, I'm sure you remember those that are now with our Lord and Savior who have gone before us, how their lives are a testimony of faithful endurance in God. The question I have for you is, are you running so that you can finish with the words of Paul when he stated in 2 Timothy 4, 7-8, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Is that our goal? Is that our aim, to finish the race with those words? And so there are three things I want to bring about, three things to help us in this art of endurance of life when the going gets tough. And the first is the need for self-discipline. The need for self-discipline. And you can see it in Hebrews 12, verses one, verse 1, but also verses 12 and 13 as a point of reference. In the King James Version, it says, let us lay aside every weight. Whereas in the NIV, it says, let us throw off everything that hinders. These things, these weights, are not necessarily wrong things in themselves, but can hinder us in our spiritual walk and work for our Lord God. For example, we all need to sleep, don't we? Some of us may put our hands up saying we love to sleep. Nothing gives me greater pleasure than when my head hits that pillow. I get all cozy and I can drift away. But we understand that too little sleep is not good. Like we also understand that too much sleep is also not good. Likewise, eating. We all love to eat. I love to eat. I love my sweet things, cakes. Oh, I love cakes. But it's okay in moderation Too much is not good. Likewise, we need to have the right diet when we're eating to make sure we are fueled correctly. The same thing with exercise. Some people say we don't like exercise, but exercise is good. It keeps our body fit and healthy. We've got to look after this body that God has given us. What does self-discipline look like? Again, using this idea of a runner, they have to have consistent training. They have to make sure they are hydrated, that they're having the right diet, that they're consistently going out. Now, as I was over lockdown, going into that routine of every couple of days, I'm going to go for a run. No matter how difficult it is, no matter how hard it is, I'm going to go and do it because by doing it, I'm going to be able to endure longer and better and be able to persevere on. Self-discipline for you and I is required if we are to run this race of faith well. To identify and rid ourselves of any obstacle, any added weight that impedes our running the Christian race successfully. Now I was looking up, what was that word obstacle? What is that in the Greek? And it's this word, I'll try my best, okos, okos, O-G-K-O-S, okos. Which means protuberance. That's what it literally means protuberance. And this is likened to a swelling an excess or a growth. On our, that's what the weight is on our body. It's an excess. And when we have that excess, it weighs us down that we will struggle to run this race. And so we're called to throw off us, throw aside those things that are unnecessary. The need for self-discipline is the call for moderation in the Christian life. In Hebrews 12.4, it says, in your struggle against sin. It's a a highlight here that our race will be a struggle. It will be a struggle. I'm not here to to paint it with roses. It's going to be hard. We get to choose our actions and our attitudes each day how we're going to act, how we're going to walk. And these decisions can either hinder us or propel us forward in this race of endurance. We need to be self-disciplined, church, in our walk with God. What is holding us back? What is weighing us down? Recognize those things and maybe say, okay, I need to put this aside. Let's remove this weight so I can be lighter on my feet. Next, we need to look to the trainer. Like I said before, we have the best trainer, but we need to make sure we're looking towards him. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We, he is the best trainer. I have a personal trainer. I've said it in a couple of messages. He's not here this morning, unfortunately, because I can actually just point him out and say, oi, oi. I have a personal trainer. Once a week, I have a, I, he does, I does some fitness with me. And the good thing about a personal trainer is they know your weaknesses and how to make you stronger. This is weak, but we're going to work on this to make it stronger. He is your motivation. Is, they're your motivation spurring you on. You can do this. In Kevin's case, he says, this is going to be hard. It's my personal trainer. He doesn't spur me on sometimes. He said, I'm not going to lie. You're not going to like this. I think, great. That encourages me to do it. Our personal trainer, they're our accountability. They walk you through what you need to do. They show you how it's done. Jesus is our best trainer because he showed us how it's done. We just got look to look towards him. But I know if you're like me, sometimes we can get tired in the race of faith. We can allow discouragement to settle in. And we need to constantly look to our trainer who is walking, running beside us. Often, have you looked at the, uh, the Olympics when you have the blind runners? And they have a trainer next to them, connected to them, running alongside them. Those blind runners, they cannot see where they're going. They're trusting the one that they're connected to, that they're going to be running in the right direction. And all, you have to, all they have to do is keep in step with their trainer. That's what it is for us. We may not know where we're going, but we just got to keep in step with our trainer who knows the way ahead. Are we fixing our eyes on Jesus? Are we looking to him? It says that in verse 3 in Hebrews 12, consider him what he faced before. He should be our primary model when it comes to persevering and enduring. He is our primary source of strength. We do not need to depend on our own human effort or strength to live a righteous life because Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the author because he is the originator of faith. It is by looking to him in faith that you and I are saved. He sets the example of living by faith for us. When you look to scripture, one of the examples is by prayer, faithfully going back to God in prayer, he communed with God. He is our example of faith. He is also the perfecter of faith. He finished the course of living by faith successfully, the perfect embodiment of faith. That is why we must look to him. There is no greater example than Christ. Let's look to him. We are encouraged to trust in the Lord for our own circumstances and have the faith, the courage, like the heroes and heroines of faith that we see in Hebrews 11, to do what he desires of us, what he commands us to do day by day. He says, go, we go. When we set our minds on Christ, we will gain the courage to endure through all situations and circumstances church look to him look to the best trainer in your everyday look to him invite him in say i don't know what to do invite the trainer in and he will show you the way you should go the third one the third point is going to be the most challenging it is to accept necessary discipline this is what I mean when I said at the start, looking at the Western church, we can all paint the Christian walk in roses. It's great to come to God. It's fantastic. But we must recognize God whom we serve. He is Lord God, King of Kings, Alpha and Omega, above all, overall, and we have the privilege to walk with him. But sometimes we want to conform him to our standards rather than conforming ourselves to his standard, which is the best standard. And so we must accept necessary discipline. Suffering for faith is not new. It's not new. It's an old age problem that many world religions have tried to answer. Some claim that suffering is the result of our own desires. We suffer because we have the wrong desires. Some say that it's just karma. Some say it's God's will that you are suffering. But when you look to scripture, it's much broader. Not all suffering, suffering is the result of a person's wrongdoing or a punishment for sin. It can be an attack from the enemy. We face a very real enemy. And if we're not aware of it, we need to wake up to that. Our enemy is there. He prowls like a roaring lion, ready to devour. And when you look in Scripture, you see how, like, I, I, it's a bit, of a, a bit of a read when you look, go through the book of Job, but you see this man that God allowed the enemy to give hardship to, yet still, he, in the end, he fixed his eyes on God. If we turn our attention to Philippians 3, 10 to 11, Paul's word here says it all. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. You see, Paul, he saw suffering for the sake of Christ as only fair since the Savior had suffered so much for him. Are we willing to suffer for Christ? Are we willing to endure hardships, difficulty for Christ, to accept necessary discipline that will shape our growth in him and for him? I am prone to error. I am a man that can make mistakes. And when I make mistakes, God corrects me. That is discipline. Discipline. And it's not easy sometimes to endure that discipline, but I know that discipline is necessary to shape me into man he wants me to be, to shine his light in this world. Mm-hmm. Hebrews 12, 5 to 11, in the chapter that we were reading, reveals that hardship and trials are part of the training process. We are being refined by God daily, corrected by God Daily. And he get this analogy that we see in Scripture. Parents who love their children correct them when they do wrong out of love in most cases. I know there are different scenarios, but that's just in general. I know it's the same with my parents. They, they corrected me when I did wrong. How did they correct me? Oh, I got the naughty step. Do you remember the naughty step? Oh, I had the naughty step. Thomas, you've been naughty. Get on the step. You're going to be there for one minute. That was the longest minute of my life <laughs> as a child. But I needed that. I needed that discipline to bring correction, to bring to, bring to recognition. I've done something wrong. I've been walking out with step. We must endure suffering, having our minds set on the unseen reward. Like I said at the start, there is an eternal prize that is before us. You see, one of the greatest hindrances, I believe, in the Christian life is that we're wanting the future rewards now. If you read in the book of uh, the letters to the church in Corinth, this was an attitude they had. They wanted the not yet now. And I know I speak for myself. I don't know about you, but sometimes we can want the not yet now in our lives. We want that prize now. Give it to me now now. And God's saying, wait, you need to endure until you obtain the prize that I have for you. God allows us to experience opposition in order to make us stronger in the faith. Whenever you ask for patience, does God God say, there you go, have some patience? Or does he allow a situation that requires you to be patient? I look to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. Oh, they went through some stuff. Oh, they went through back and forth, back and forth in relation with God. You know, time and again, they, were, they got to the point where they are invaded by this nation called the, ba- uh, the Babylonians. Yet we read, and God's word to them through the prophet Habakkuk was, the righteous will live by faith. And it's the same word we must take hold of we will live by faith through hardship for toil. When, we, when the going gets tough, we hold on by faith. We look to our trainer and we endure. And when we endure, we are shaped, we are molded, we are made stronger so that when we face another obstacle, we know what we've walked through before. We see how God has helped us before, shaped us before. So then we, when we face an obstacle, we're ahead. You know what? We can face this because we've endured that. We can endure that. Instead of praying, God, this is not your will. This is not what you have for me. Maybe we should be praying instead, what are you teaching me in this period? What should I learn? What are you revealing? How are you shaping me? It's so easy to become discouraged when we face hard times. But we are God's sons and daughters. And he is there with us. He is walking beside us. We are not alone in this life of endurance. Submission to God's discipline brings fullness of life, greater holiness, and righteousness along with peace. One quote I found, Dr. Constable, he says this, God always designs discipline for our welfare, even though it may not be pleasant to endure. It's for our benefit It may be hard, but it's for our benefit. We have to learn to obey God because it's for our own good. And when we don't follow him, when we don't obey him, don't be surprised if he brings about some form of discipline to get you back on the right track. He disciplines us because he loves us. He disciplines us because he cares for us. He corrects us because he wants us to come into relationship with him, to invite him into process, to say, take my hand and lead me forward. And in Romans 8, 28, we read, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Whose purpose? His purpose. For who? For those who love who? God. Love God, follow him, obey him. And he's working it out. So just to bring this to a close, the role of God's discipline, these are final thoughts. The role of God's discipline is to bring about patient, faithful endurance. For us to be able to hold on, to press on, to run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. The goal is that you and I may live. God does it so we may share in his holiness. That's what it says in Hebrews 12 that we were when we're trained, when we are trained by discipline, we will get to share in his holiness. It may be painful, but it's necessary refinement. Maybe you are you are in a refinement process at the moment. The writer of Hebrews is calling us to faithful, faithfulness perseverance and holiness faithfulness perseverance and holiness the question to you church are you willing to run the race of endurance when the going gets tough when it's when you get over the peak of a mountain and you see an even bigger mountain ahead of you have you done that when you walked gone on a walking trek, you find that you get to a peak and you're thinking, I've made it. And you get over the top and you see an even bigger hill before you. Do you take a deep breath and say, let's keep going? That is the art of endurance. Keep going. Walk in self-discipline. Look to the trainer. Accept necessary discipline. God is with you. He's walking beside us. He is guiding us every step of the way. We just need to hold on to Him and trust in Him. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For any more information or to find out more of what we do as a church, you can contact us at info at or check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk